As amazing as it is to even say out loud, Patrick Mahomes is about to play his first ever road playoff game. That's crazy. Even crazier thing is I think the Bills are going to try to make the Chiefs shovel their seats this week, and that feels like some sort of violation. It's only weird games. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. We're here and we're ready to look forward to Chiefs and Bills and what is certain to be an absolute barn burner to end the weekend of NFL Divisional Round action. I am Joshua Briscoe, joined now by Seth Kaiser. Nate Taylor will uh, join up a little bit in progress at some point here in today's show, uh, but we didn't want to uh, didn't want to keep anybody waiting. Because uh, we've got a lot of things we can get to here, Seth. You've already written this week. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, you've written multiple times. You've written since the last episode we did just on Tuesday. We heard all of the uh, the coordinators and Legarius Sneed talk today. Uh, we even have uh, the the absolute, the only part of football discourse that has yet to be addressed in any way whatsoever, which is our analytics, good or bad. Um, our uh, coaches always right or always wrong. Is pro football focus, gospel or dirt? Um, you know, just just the things we haven't yet really gotten to as a society. What I really want to know, I just want to have a number to look at that's dispositive that tells me literally there ev- everything there is to know about a football player. That's is that so much to ask for. I, I feel like that's reasonable. One thing, um, you know, I you know what the problem really is with the PFF discourse. I can break this down for everyone. It is what it should be taken as is. A as educated as anyone's film review, except you know someone that really does look at the film, who at least someone knows what they're doing and has a good system, and is offering that number. There's value in that. Is it dispositive? No. And that's where there's this like, just this <laughs> miss as to what people think it should mean versus what it shouldn't. And if you just if people just yeah, there's there's some value in that. I if when the Chiefs sign a guy that I don't have any film of, I might go take a look at his PFF grade just to see like, okay, it's a, you know, well, it's a, it's a 32. That's disconcerting. Or it's, Hey, it's a 98. Well, that sounds good. I mean, I don't take it as gospel. It's like, okay, that's one opinion. Someone that I know looks at the film. This isn't, let's live in the gray area a little bit. No, are you sorry? Sorry, Seth, are you new here? Let's live in the gray a little. We're on the internet. J.J. Watt, if, if people don't have the backstory, J.J. Watt talked about PFF and all of its issues, which is pretty funny because I think he was talking about C.J. Stroud's grade and Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans, worked for PFF. So that's just, that's sort of hilarious. And uh, then Legarius Sneed was asked about that today. And uh, before the question was even finished, he said, they suck. And then it was, so, so you, but PFF, they suck. He said it twice. Well, they've got him as a 70. And so I can see why that would bother him. And and again, you don't know what this person values, what they don't value, how much they weight certain plays, that kind of stuff. It's one person's opinion whose process you don't quite know as well as he could. So treat it like that. Hey, there's some information that's pretty valuable or somewhat valuable. It's got at least some valuable. It's more information to have. That's great. It gives you at least something. I always try to go the opposite route, and I'm in the position that I'm not trying to do it for every single player in the league. 
And look, will I do it for every single player on the Chiefs if the Chief of the North one day has 100,000 subscribers? Sure, yeah, I'll quit my day job and I will give you, I will review every snap of every player throughout seasons if that happens. But that allows me, because I'm only doing it with some players, some games, is I can really detail my process each time. And that just takes a long, 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 long time to do. Plus a lot of people that are doing some of this work, what I've found to be the biggest barrier between film, film analysts and and fans is language mm. and the ability to communicate things. Like I read a lot of film review stuff by people that know way more about the game than I do. And, and it, it, it's a slog to get through because writing clearly and concisely is an entirely different skill than knowing football really well. And I can write somewhat clearly and concisely and I know a teeny tiny bit about football. And when I combine those two things, that works out. But I, I just, I don't know. We, everyone just, uh, everyone will cite PFF when it tells them what they like. It, everyone will, will not when it tells them something they don't like. It's like anything else it feels like. It doesn't really matter what it says. Joni Hopkins nails it in the comments. I like any stats that agree with my preconceived conceptions. And you know, me too. Don't we all? But uh, yeah. <laughs> the, both the Schwartz brothers, Mitch and Jeff, both had little stories they tweeted out about how about coaches showing them take it, tape and then just ripping them for it. And then later either, I, I think it was Jeff Schwartz told the story about a coach giving him bad grades and then him challenging the coach and the coach saying, well, we lost the game. I couldn't give you better grades in a loss, which is also garbage. And then that Mitch Schwartz said something. He had something about him and a teammate getting ripped on for uh, for tape. And then the next year that was being used as teach tape the, the next year around. Here, here's my, I, the only thing I'll add on to what you said and then get to, to Chiefs Bills is that it is, it is frustrating for anyone to pretend like they have all the answers or to pretend yep. like anybody is coming in with just like the dumbest thing they've ever heard. And analytics people get hit with tone a lot. Where it's like, well, yeah, your your tone comes off really poorly or really snobby or whatever. And sometimes it does. What I very rarely hear is the inverse, which is to say like, hey, J.J. Watt, do you know about the Bobby Slowick connection? Can you explain what PFF does wrong systemically in a way that bothers you? And also, if we're going to do the thing, and this is what J.J. Watt was doing. I'm, I'm pivoting off another, another angle now, more towards just probably generally people on Twitter I don't particularly like to chat with. If you are going to go the direction of what just the GM, the, the team's no, you think you know more than a GM? You think you know more than another team? Legarius Steve was a fourth round draft pick. Yeah. The Chiefs passed on Legarius Steve more often than they should have. They got him. But every team in the league should be looking at why did we not find the cornerback at La Tech who ends up being an absolute heavy handed stud stomper all season here before he hits free agency? Like, that's an incredible story. Scouting is hard and it's subjective and there are layers to it. And I don't like it when people pretend that they've got the answers and that anything that is a different view on it is fundamentally irrelevant. I don't Absolutely. I don't like trying to cut the legs out from under people. Absolutely. And something that people should keep in mind is that analytics and film should work together in concert because all analytics should be is information and information. And this is where I think people need to be careful is that sometimes information that shouldn't be necessarily led to a conclusion gets utilized that way. You know, it gets treated as dispositive and when, and some people present it that way and that's on them. You shouldn't say, you know, okay, here's this big ball of information. It means this dispositively. That doesn't mean that it should be used that way. What it sh but film by itself, if it's just one or two plays, that 
that doesn't tell you enough about a player. Things like that. That's what I always tell people. I only can fit like five or six, maybe one more uh, film clips into my articles about a player. Well, I mean, if it's if it's a Patrick Mahomes film review, for example, he might have had 55 dropbacks that game. And so when me showing him doing one play is not this positive that this is who he is and or this is even how he was in that game, let alone as a player in general, I could put together if I took some time. I could put together a three-minute highlight reel of Christian Ponder at quarterback, and yep. I could put together a three-minute low-light reel of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen looking terrible. It'd be a lot easier with Josh Allen because he makes a bunch of really, really, really stupid decisions. That's for you Bills trolls. And that's <laughs> a fact. <laughs> really, really stupid decisions that have cost you games repeatedly, and which is why you've never been able to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. But that's okay. Maybe you will this time, and then you'll feel good. Then it'll finally be enough. I promise it won't. But anyway... So I'm sorry. I'm gonna have fun with this. I think you should. So not, not. By the way, there is another Bills fan in here who just said Bills Mafia, and he just said he's not a troll. And if you have something you want us to talk about that's actual decent analysis, I kind of low key non trash talking Bill fans. I respect you. I like you Bill fans. You have stuck through the teeth with through thick and thin. You stuck through. The only thing I like to do is friendly fun trash talk. So yeah, talk about how Mahomes runs goofy and got a little out of pocket after the whole offsides thing. D d talk trash, have fun, but have fun with it. It's just football. Let's not take it that seriously. That's where like the difference between some Bills fans and a lot of Bengals fans, based on my interactions <laughs> with them. Bengals fans, they are they are very mean. This is also exclusively digitally, right? I don't think oh, any yeah. of us have ever had a meaningfully negative interaction with any other fan, a, a member of any other fan base or whatever. Yeah. Because people in real life act like, what's the word for it? People. Yeah, they're just <laughs> people. And so, seriously, I, I kind of, if it weren't for like the rivalry thing, and I like rivalries, they're good for the game. So I'm sorry, Bills fans who are watching this who are not trolls for me taking the pot shots there. That's in response to someone taking the pot shot, of course. Then they respond to me, and then, well, I'm just responding to him responding. And that's how ridiculous stuff happens on the internet. And I'm sorry to be a part of it. I'm excited for this game. It's going to be a barn burner. I just, there's so many directions to go. I like, I have a lot of takes today, man, and I'm going to need you to lead me to all of them because otherwise I'm just going to start saying random things off the top of my head like, you know, it's kind of low-key overlooked that Spags largely shut down the Bills' offense earlier this year. And the reason it didn't matter is because the Chiefs' offense just couldn't do anything. I like both sides of the the Chiefs' offense, Bills' defense, Bills' offense, Chiefs' defense coin. All I'm going to ask you to do is to pick the side, and then I'll take you to, to, to plan A. So we're going to talk about both sides of the ball, obviously. The matchups here are great. Would you rather start by talking about Chiefs' offense, Bills' defense, or Chiefs' defense, Bills' offense? You know what? I've written like I, I'm I've written like three times about the Chiefs defense already this week. So let's yeah. start with that maybe. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. And that way we can close out talking about the more the tougher thing this year because I, I wrote about the physicality, although that was offense and defense. I wrote about Nick Bolton. Then I wrote about Steve Spagnuolo. And I just got done charting Charles Amenahu snaps and I also got a chart Patrick Mahomes snaps and write about keys to the game. And it is Thursday. It is so Thursday. So I don't know how I'm going to do all of it, but I really want to write about Charles Amenahu because it's important. So it's been all defense. Let's talk about when the Chiefs are on defense and that other team's on offense. I, I want to start with I, I want to start with what might be the simplest part in my eyes 
because of what Legarius Sneed did to Stefan Diggs last time and how good these cornerbacks have been. But when you when you isolate all of uh, try try to isolate it to the defensive backs, you can bring the safeties in here as well. Uh, that game against the Bills in the regular season was Mike Edwards's first start um, in in Brian Cook's stead, if memory serves. And then Tranquil wasn't there for that game, and Bolton I think was his first game back. So there there was some move. Again, I'm gonna hold the line back, hold the front seven if we can. But but tell me what is your what is the most interesting part to you? Tell me the most interesting thing about the Chiefs secondary matchup heading into this game and how it correlates to what the Bills want to do. I think after the break. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your New Year's resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your doorstep. Make saving time your breeziest resolution with quick, convenient recipes delivered right to you. Just choose your meals and select your delivery date. HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping, so all you'll have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes to get cooking. HelloFresh can make cooking with your family fun, easy, and simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree and use code KCSNFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree with code KCSNFree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now let's get back to the show. We got a new nice. 
break. I, that was BJ. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Tucker, you can't just you can't just drop a new a new break video on us in the playoffs. I wasn't ready for that wrinkle. I'm all out of sorts. Uh, for real, Seth. The uh, the question stands. Sorry to do that to you in playoff week. I'm not really sorry. Um, oh, no, you're you you're absolutely fine. It's Sneed v. Diggs is like one thing. I'm kind of curious what else there is in your mind. Right. Sneed v. Diggs is going to be a big thing. That's going to be something people focus on. It wouldn't surprise me to see Spags go a little bit of a different route this time, simply because you know zigzag, zigzag. You you go back and forth. You don't try the same thing twice in a row generally. Although. If that same thing, the Legion of Boom, for example, and I'm not saying the Chiefs secondary is at Legion of Boom levels. This is for example sake. They did the same thing a zillion times in a row because they could. And so if part of it is, hey, we think Sneed's a great matchup for Diggs and can just erase him one-on-one, anytime your guy can erase their guy one-on-one, it's it's a, it's a win for the defense. Um, It would be interesting... I'm curious if they are game planning with Snee with with Diggs as their primary concern. Though, if I were them, I would at least be considering game planning with the Bills' run game, both Allen and Cook and Kincaid as their primary issues. And so, I'm curious what they do there because with with if you're worried about Kincaid, you're worried about the run game a little bit. Snead plays a big role in that. Um, one thing that's worth noting, and I wanted to make sure I was right about this, and it turns out I am. Was this the first game the Chiefs didn't have uh, Brian Cook? Like, because he got hurt against Green Bay. Yeah, I think what I said just a minute ago is that it was Mike Edwards' first game starting for Brian Cook. But that's just, my only source on that is me, like, 60 seconds before you said it. So, I could have been wrong. You could have also been wrong. I'm just going to double check here. The odds of both of us being wrong seems borderline absurd I, we were both yeah. right we were so, both right i was so kind of i was kind of figuring out if you real like, that's a story right so brian cook got hurt mid game against the packers the bills game was their first start thereafter with mike edwards and so that that's at least worth noting cuz brian cook for what it's worth was having a borderline pro bowl worthy season i'm not saying he would have made the pro bowl cuz he's a young player that's not really how this works but i think he was playing like their best safety at that point mm. he was out and what they love to use Brian Cook in man coverage on tight ends. That's not Edwards' skill set. Uh, Justin Reed can do it, but I, I think Kincaid's a tough matchup for him. So that's something that I'm looking at. When I look at this game, though, something that definitely stands out to me is the lack of existence of snap counts of Drew Tranquil because yes. he went out there. Right. And th- it's really interesting, and I want to be careful how I do this because I just wrote an article where I, I praise Nick Bolton's game against Miami. If he plays like that again against the Bills, great. The last time they played the Bills, this last, he got picked on. He got picked on in space a little bit, and he got picked on in the run game even a little bit, where they kind of managed to isolate him in space with blockers reaching him, which is the one area in the run game where he can struggle at times. Um, Good player against the run, a really specific weakness in terms of shedding blocks if he's reached at the second level. And so... It'll be interesting to see with Tranquil there now. Leo Chanel is playing better than ever, and he's also being utilized in a different role. And Ben Williams, I am not hating on Nick Bolton. Dang it. So anyway, um, Tranquil was, he's been pivotal in the Chiefs defense this year, and not just because of who he is explicitly, but because of what it allows them to do in having a much more multiple linebacker group because you've got a lot more options 
when you've got the kind of do everything guy and coverage guy and tranquil, that means you can use Bolt in a specific way. You can use Willie Gay Jr. a specific way. You can le- use Leo Chanel a specific way. It's um, it- it's just really interesting that some guys who are peripheral guys but core peripheral guys mm-hmm. have kind of a different role this time around. And so I I'm really curious how they 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 do things on the back end. What they did against the Dolphins, they mixed up their coverages a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. Um, but they weren't super aggressive about blitzing for a lot of the game. I'm curious with um, how the Bills like to do things, and especially how they kind of unlock Josh Allen as a run threat. I'm curious if the Chiefs blitz more against the Bills simply because now you've got an extra defender flying at the ball You know, as he's looking at this read option. And you can just say, hey, you're an extra defender. Your only job is to hit Josh Allen. And that doesn't look, Josh Allen's hard to tackle. That dude's yep. huge. But it's a lot easier when you don't have to pull up because you're not sure whether he's going to hand the ball off or not. So you might say, hey, look, hey, uh, Sneed, you're the slot blitz here. I don't care what he does with that ball. You hit Josh Allen. That's all you're doing. That meat lets you fly to the ball a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious about that. It, there's just a whole lot of things. Can I grab in on something there then? Yes. Because yes. I... I think I think a lot. Of, I haven't like been looking at the comments super aggressively, but something that comes up a lot when you get running quarterbacks is you have people asking about like spying the quarterback, and in a lot of cases it makes great sense, and then in other cases you realize that it leaves you playing with ten defenders at times, and it's that I understand why that numbers game is difficult to pull off as a defense. What you just said there is you you are picking you are essentially picking blitzers to just go get Josh Allen no matter what ends up happening. Right. It how how varied. Can you be that way in in terms of of finding answers for Josh Allen that you would not have to get for almost any other quarterback in football? Lamar Jackson uh, is obviously an outrageously good runner, but it's different. Patrick Mahomes is a great scrambler when he needs yards, but it's different. Yep. Josh Allen is legitimately pretty close to being a one of one of like NFL history for the type of player that he is. Yeah, he's a he's a better throwing Cam Newton. Yeah, he's Brett Favre in Cam Newton's body. Yeah, and 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 Cam Newton was a uh, his peak was incredibly high. Yep. So one thing that's a little different with with Josh Allen is that so say like with Lamar Jackson, a blitzer going his way to try to blow up that that read option isn't necessarily the right call because he's quicker. Yes, um, he's a guy <laughs> you've seen him. You, you've seen him in one on one in space. It doesn't work. Yeah, better you usually need him in the backfield, and even even a guy like Snead or McDuffie, there's a chance he shakes them in space. And that 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 just matters. You got to be judicious in how you utilize those blitzes. But what Allen does have in common with Jackson and with Mahomes is that if that blitzer doesn't break down and play disciplined, he'll 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 manage to get free and they'll shoot right by him. And now you're playing ten on eleven. Yeah, and that's really so. It's not like an end all be all. I'm just curious if Spags is a little more aggressive about blitzing because that allows you to also fill up. Um, certain run gaps. Some of the things that they did against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, for example. Um, and oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I just because I want to like be kind. Shout out to Jeffrey Potts in the comments. He says, as a Bills fan, I don't want Gabe Davis to play. Team is light years better with him off the field. That's an interesting bit of insight from a Bills fan on how they're playing about get, feeling about Gabe Davis. Hey, just for a little uh, a little corollary, we've talked in the past about. I believe it was Nate Tice's uh, comparison of Gabe Davis to MVS. Handshake. Handshake meme yeah. right there. Bills fans, yeah. Gabe Davis. Chiefs fans, MVS. I see. Yeah. And I, we we are saying lots of nice things about Josh Allen. I feel like Bills fans have no beef with us right now. 
I love yeah. Josh Allen is worst my third favorite quarterback to watch play football, and he's probably second. Yeah, he's he's hilariously fun to watch play football. And I could see him that, being very difficult to root for. <laughs> yeah, he, he can be a little difficult to root for. It is also interesting, right. though, like with Josh Allen. Um, and this is to to move it back to the secondary. Yeah, one thing that makes him interesting to watch is that every now and then, yes, he is Cam, he's he is Brett Favre in Cam Newton's body, with a little bit of Joe Flacco sprinkled in there, because he will occasionally. <laughs> That's the most inexplicable things. And yeah. that's, you want to know what really separates Patrick Mahomes from Josh Allen. I'm going to make some Chiefs fans mad here, and then I'll make some Bills fans mad. When they are both playing at their absolute apex, when they are both playing at their absolute best, Allen and Mahomes, they're, 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 they're more or less the same. What separates the two of them is that Mahomes plays at that level more frequently, and when he's not at this level, he doesn't like drop down to like here. <laughs> Yep. He like drops down to like here. Yep. And that's what separates the two of them. Consistency. Um, that's a big deal. And so I, I he's fun to watch because of that too, because he'll mostly play just incredible. And then every now and then he'll throw it right to the other team. And you're like, well, dude, that was weird. Like Shamari Connor's pick on him was a great play by by the by the rookie to come across the field. It was also not a ball that Josh Allen should have thrown in a million billion years. So that makes him fun to watch too. That's entertaining. And so what I I can see Spags doing is presenting a lot of similar type things to what he did to Tua this last week. Um, the difference between the two of them is Josh Allen is much, much, much more comfortable going to his second and third read and creating plays. Tua, especially in in those um uh in those in those temperatures. He just ha- he had no interest in it. He couldn't make the throws. Dude was like wearing three sweatshirts underneath his jersey. Like you, you can't do it. So I do see though Spags messing with him pre-snap. That's how Connor got his pick. I, I do think you're going to see a lot of rotations. Just kind of see, hey Josh, can you figure this stuff out? And honestly, overall, outside of Cook, who had a really good game against the Chiefs last time, and again, Bolton got exploited a few times. I think him being back now for longer and healthier because he wasn't. He played like 92% of the snaps, but he wasn't fully healthy. Him being fully healthy, Tranquil being in there now, really asking, hey, can you create some, can 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 you figure out what we're doing with our coverages and figure out where the holes are? Because they, they got one touchdown off of busted coverage in week, whatever it was, when they played this year in December. So that's, I, that's what I'm curious about is that secondary as a whole. I And I'm genuinely curious. I don't know if it's just going to be Sneed v. Diggs this time. That's interesting. I, I do think trying to show Josh Allen different stuff is going to be very high on the list. But I also, I also kind of enjoyed the uh, the Sneed v. Diggs uh, battle. Yeah. Um. Good. No, and if it works, you just do it. If you can erase Stephon Diggs from the game, and it'll work the same way it did last time, might as well do it. You held him to twenty points, and the only reason they scored twenty, honestly, the Chiefs gave him the ball back a few times with punts and not really moving the offense well. I mean that that's just. The, the Cook played the better game there in part because, like, in terms of, like, uh, the offense overall, Allen didn't have a great game. He had a couple of incredible throws, and he's always going to. But really, they shut down Diggs overall, and then that forces them to say, well, who else we got? And right now the answer is Cook and Kincaid. It's kind of interesting with the Bills. You're kind of seeing a similar, like, narrowing. Yes, you're right. To yeah. what you're seeing with the Chiefs right now because you got you got Rice, Kelsey, Pacheco. And so, and if some team can erase Rice from the game, 
that's a big deal. So I'm I'm genuinely curious what they decide to do. Um, I've had we've had a lot of people in the comments saying, well, we think you know McDuffie will play Diggs. Here's the deal: Trent McDuffie could shadow someone all day too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he makes people as mad as Sneed does. Yeah, and he also Sneed right. seems like a real pain. Yes, he seems he seems horrible to him and George Karloftis, man. Those guys, Trey Smith, Chiefs have a lot of those guys this year, and I'm kind of here for it. So I, I'm not sure if they'll do as much just straight man against Diggs. Um, other than really with Diggs, he's an emotional player, and it works for him sometimes. But it also, and we saw this in December, it led to him kind of quiet quitting a little bit. And because Diggs has had such a smaller role in their offense since Brady took over, I could see them. I, I could. I, I. I could see them saying, "It's the juice isn't worth the squeeze to utilize Snead on a guy who's been more of an important role player, but role player rather than the guy that he was early on for the Bills." They should probably cut him this offseason so he can pick a contender to play for. I don't know. Just, I don't know, just think about. It. Just, I don't know. He's watched. He's watched the Chiefs win a lot of games. Um, I want to tell you some things that Spag said today because I'm guessing you were not locked in for every moment of the pressers today. Was not. I was too busy writing about Spags and how awesome he is. So, well, good news. I have awesome Spag stuff for you as well. Uh, because he was asked. I'm sorry, I cannot remember who asked this question because I'd like to thank them for doing it. Um, I don't know. I got several people. It could be, but I, I can't remember who it was. I'm gonna have to check later. But it was a great question because it baited Spags into talking about something that he has not really delved into on his own very much, which is talking about Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil being on the field together. I'm going to I'm going to do the thing here just every PSA for everybody. I'm going to do what I'm calling um paraphrase direct quoting, which is that I am literally writing down things and and paraphrasing into doing some direct quotes as the press conferences are happening live as we're listening live. So these will not be literal lawyer level transcripts, but it, there will be some turns of phrase in here that Spags did use today. So work work with my uh my my sort of uh paraphrased uh direct quotes. Talking about Nick Bolton and Drew Trinkle being on the field together. Talking about them being about it being two Mike linebackers on the field, two guys who can run the show and control things. It helps Nick. He knows Drew can talk to the other half of the line. Those two guys from the chin to the hairline, he trusts them both completely mentally and the communication of it all. Uh, he says both go home at night, watch tape, and come back to the office with an idea the next day. Uh, like an example he gave that I just thought was really smart. Say, hey, we got two calls in the huddle. One of them will come back and say, hey, these two words sound the same. So if we say this word in the huddle and somebody hears it sounding like a different word, they're going to be doing the wrong thing. Which when you talk about coverage breakdowns and terminology and stuff like that, and Spags is like, yeah, sometimes I don't even I haven't even thought of the things that they come back with, which makes it easy to see why Spags loves Nick Bolton so much and hopefully continues to love Drew Tranquil because he's been great for this defense. Um, so that that whole process to me was great for a couple of things. One, those are the best two linebackers. Two, they're their best two linebackers in tandem. You're going to put two linebackers on the field. Go ahead and give me those two guys in most circumstances. And three, I just thought it was really, really good, relatively self-aware insight from Spags about what it is that makes those guys so trustworthy in that spot. A lot of times we talked about Ben Neiman being out there because Spags trusts him. Well, to do what exactly, right? <laughs> These That sounded mean. I didn't mean for it to be. These are examples of, of what it looks like to be a trusted Mike linebacker in a Steve Spagnuolo defense, and he's got two of them, which especially in this game, as you talked about, Seth, 
with Cook and Kincaid being the the level of impact players they've been over this sort of uh, third act or so of the Bills season, I think both of them are in huge spots for this game. <coughs> Sorry for throwing it to you mid-cough. Yeah, what can you do? I, I think it was more you threw it to me and I was sitting there coughing. Ross Sawyer, I was absolutely paying attention this time. I do a better job paying attention when it's just me and Josh. I've worked on that because all it took was... You've been reading a lot of comments, and I can tell. And I you're mentioning them, but also when you look over it, when you look over right. there, yeah. Well, no, I, I was actually checking on some of the snap counts and stuff while you're talking. On that Thank screen you were. Yeah, this screen. Yeah, I don't screen. When you look over that way, I don't worry about it. When you go down and away right here, I know you're looking at the comment section. They're so they're so good at it. Anyway, so the 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 point about Cook and Kincaid playing such a big role and kind of the, their offense has changed a little bit. Um, the idea of having two mics is really interesting. Now, Nick Bolton's not a guy that you could have covering. Kincaid yeah. he's just not that's not his skill set um and honestly Kincaid is shifty enough and athletic enough that on like even tranquil it's like is this is this the route we want to go but he's a good coverage backer I think he can do a lot of things Willie Gay if his assignment is specific to just man coverage he's athletic enough to cover basically any tight end um he just he's also such a heat-seeking missile into the backfield that like I love how like the second play of the game against the Dolphins Spags is like, all right, Willie, I want you to slam into their Pro Bowl level left tackle and knock him three yards backwards. Willie's like, okay, yeah, like, and again, Leroy, yeah, <laughs> for only, yeah, Leroy. <laughs> I just think that a lot when I see Willie Gay just just taking off, running like the Terminator or whatever, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. In, and if anyone who's listening, only weird games listeners, if you've never seen Willie Gay Junior's just shoulder muscles, that man is a walking muscle. He yeah, he's a, just, he's the sh- his the shape from his like ears to his shoulder. It, I mean, it is a forty five degree slope, right? It's like how wraps. Thank you, Tucker. In the comments, like like that. Yes, Willie Gay Junior's built. He he's built like yeah. He's 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 got venom neck, which sounds yeah. like a sounds like some sort of I don't know sexual disease. And I don't yeah, I don't. Like I, he doesn't have long to live. Like yeah, venom venom neck actually sounds deadly. You're right. That's yeah, yeah, that's you're true. Not gonna make it. So I, I'm curious what they do. Again, Cook and Kincaid have been, along with Allen, really kind of the, the focal point of their offense more so than Diggs. And that it just it's a different type of challenge. Their run game is very different than Miami. Miami loves to test the perimeter. The Bills have been doing a lot of ground and pound type stuff. Um, that's where Mike Pinnell is going to be huge with Derek Nadi very likely, from what I can tell, not yeah. playing. Hasn't practiced um, this week. He's the only player who has not practiced so far this week. Sky Moore designated to return off IR. A couple little things there, but but Derek Naughty seems like he's on the path to not play. Another low-key important guy on the defensive line in the run game is going to be Treshawn Wharton. You wrote about him quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. He played, His name came up a lot. Against against the Dolphins, he played really, really well. I'm curious how he does like, with more of like a straight line attack. But one thing I saw the Chiefs doing a lot of against the Dolphins, and I'm curious if they're going to stick with this, um, they were doing a lot of one-gapping. And then Spags has always shifted back and forth between two gapping and one gapping. It depends on, it's usually like Derek Nottie. Okay, you weigh 330 pounds plus. Okay, you're a two gapper. Yep. Everyone else, <laughs> attack a gap. But I mean, he, he really has at times asked both defensive tackles to kind of hold up. But one of the advantages to having these guys like Karloftis and Amenahu and Mike Dana on the edge is they're guys that can hold the line and they can defend some of this power stuff. 
And so I'd be curious if Tershawn Wharton plays a decent-sized role trying to stop that rushing attack, being a guy who attacks a single gap, tries to get upfield, force Cook to cut back certain places. There's just there's a lot of cool matchups here, and I can't tell how informative that first matchup is going to be for both sides. Honestly, both offenses are probably hoping that it's not because both yeah. offenses underperformed. I'm excited to talk about the Chiefs offense, but I'm even more excited to hear from Tucker D. Franklin to tell us about our, our friends at DraftKings. The D in Tucker D. Franklin stands for Drew Tranquil. A lot of people don't know that. All one word. And uh, totally before he was on the scene as a professional football player. Tucker, what's up? Yeah, it's true. It's crazy how my parents had that foresight. But anyway, DraftKings... D-R-U-E, by the way, too, which was even crazier. <laughs> right. Correct. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, Josh. I don't know if you know this. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, and they are bringing an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. That is an italics in my read copies. So they, that's how I think how they wanted me to say it is electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get uh, 200 instantly in bonus bets. You're looking at the Chiefs and the Bills game. Chiefs still two and a half point dogs. Those injury reports not scaring away the bookies at uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. You can still get Chiefs for plus money. I believe plus 120 last time I looked. So if you want to get in on that little plus money action, Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly and bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bits expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Back to you, Josh. Immaculate as always, Tucker. Thank you very much. Uh, Seth, let's go ahead and hop over to the offensive side here now because how, how, uh, how much should we take from the first matchup? And really... How much should we take from what the Chiefs did in the wild card round against the Miami Dolphins? I uh, I have a direction I've been drifting this week with the Chiefs' offense and my expectations for them. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it over here. Let you sort of paint the picture of what you're looking for right now, and then we can see if our uh, if our view on this lines up. Excited for that. No, it's a little tease. So I'm uh I'm I'm looking at the snap counts from again this December game, which every game in the NFL is so different that it's almost impossible. Like, you know, remember when the Chiefs destroyed the Bucks and then they played them in the Super Bowl and things were different? That's just how it goes, man. Everything is so matchup. Yeah. Everything is so matchup dependent and game flow dependent. Um part of part of like what made this Miami game go the way it did in the wild card round for the Chiefs is they they were able to shut down the run early. They got a lead early. Then they managed to make it a two score lead early. And that's where things really change. It changes the way you have to run your offense. It just changes the way you can call your defense because it changes the way they run their offense. So there's so many things that it's kind of like one domino begets another. That's not how dominoes work. They're not begetting anything. They're falling on each other. But I think that could lead to begetting. But I think you could domino begets. Stack up the loaves. That is such a bad joke. Yeah, it's horrendous. I didn't... Yeah, you know I get it. better than to use a bad dad joke on me. I can't, I can't function when you do that. It just and, like, but it's worth it just to see the dopamine hit for you when you make anyone laugh. You're like, it, 
it, yeah, that's the thing is I feel like when I, when I know it's like not a laugh you wanted to give, it's even more valuable. Oh, oh, absolutely. That's why it's always one of the best parts of parenting. And now we're digressing. But, you know, we made it 36 minutes. We've talked a lot of ball. We what, the, one of maybe the Nate's parts. the problem. One of the best. I, I'm, I'm. Maybe. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> so I wonder think. Okay, I got to stop reading the comments because they're really funny right now. So one of the best parts about being a parent is when your kids are mad at you and it's kind of like a low stakes moment because your kids get mad at you for all kinds of crap. It's like, you know, you didn't buy me three candy things at the Harry Potter thing. You only bought me two because I'm a tiny little narcissist. Like, and that's <laughs> it. Like, they're born. I always tell people when, when I joke around with people about, like, the concept of original sin. When I was like, people aren't born evil. I'm like, you've never met a two-year-old, have you? Because all <laughs> they care about is themselves, my friend. Um, and so anyway, so they get mad at you about various things. And one of the most fun things, like you got to come down on your kid, you got to discipline, et cetera, be a good dad because people are watching you or maybe just, you know, for its own sake, now that I think about it, but anyway, it. when they're mad and when they're angry and then they're so easy to make laugh and it's totally against their will. And it's just, I'm, it made me so mad when my dad used to do it to me. It's just like, Hey, you, you pretty mad back there. Uh, and you just you find something stupid to say to them whatever and man i wish i wish i had a way of understanding where your coping mechanisms come from <laughs> yeah if only you were <laughs> if only you had some way of getting that it's like no 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 kids kids if you get happy you know anytime i'm angry i stop being angry and i laugh instead <laughs> that sounds sustainable honestly <laughs> for an entire life Anytime I get sad, I stop being sad and I laugh. It's like, oh, good, that's healthy. Yeah, um, that's going to definitely last all the way into your, let's say, late 90s, hopefully. We've got a, uh, we, we've got, we've got dads in the comments are agreeing. It's such a great feeling, especially, and it's, it's great with your sons, but for some reason with your daughter, like Isabel has cried out of frustration because I made her, you keep me laughing, but I don't want to laugh. And I'm like, I'll just wait. And I'm like, are you sure? And then she'll <laughs> laugh and she'll get mad. And it's so great. So anyway, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Oh, Chiefs offense. What can we take from it? So just a few interesting things. For one thing, there was no Isaiah Pacheco. That's a big deal. If you were to list on offense the three dudes who are not named Mahomes, it's Rice, Kelsey, Pacheco. That is who the offense is... That that is that is that is who the offense revolves around right now, those guys and maybe the interior offensive line, that sort of thing, and missing him was a big big deal. Even though Jared McKinnon was healthy at the time, he is not this year especially. Really good receiver, always where he's supposed to be. Um, really good in pass protection, but he doesn't remotely have Pacheco's burst at this point in his career. McKinnon used to be kind of a faster guy. He's not anymore. He he's more like Clyde in terms of the explosion these days. He's just a little more slippery. And Clyde has, you know, quads that are the size of a barrel. Mm -hmm. And so he's a little harder to tackle, whereas McKinnon just goes down on first contact. So they couldn't really lean into the run game at all. They had a hard time getting stuff going with that. Um, Edwards Alaire, I thought, I, I, if I'm recalling, he actually played okay. But it just, it, like, they had a little bit of that power stuff. But the Chiefs are doing a little more gap, a little more power, and they're doing it now with Pacheco and Clyde. And they're better at it. Um, but if you also look at the receiver snap count, 
So here's what I've got for you. Rasheed Rice, 85%. This is one of the first games Rasheed Rice, like, like catapulted up. Justin Watson, 55%. That was the next highest wide receiver snap count. The third highest was Kadarius Toney at 44%. That's going to be different on Sunday. Um, then after Noah Gray, who's obviously a tight end, Sky Moore, 35%. That's going to be different. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 33%. Might be similar. Uh, Richie James, 17%. Um, so you really had Rasheed Rice and then no other receivers playing the half. It was like half at most. The Chiefs have kind of narrowed that a little bit too. And so I think they, they know who they are a little more. They're kind of done experimenting, it seems like. And McCole Hardman's going to get some snaps. So, I mean, it's kind of a different group. It's all going to come down to the same thing, though. And this is kind of the problem with talking about the Chiefs offense against any defense. Is even this year, when they have not been their usual selves in terms of explosive plays, they are still a team that if they don't do something stupid, they move the ball and score at least a field goal. And here's the funny thing. you know People don't like field goals, and I understand why. But honestly, if you scored a field goal every drive, and you had 11 drives, you'd have 33 points. So if you can at least get to the red zone, ask the Miami Dolphins, that's a big deal. And so I, I, it doesn't, the Bills injuries matter. They certainly matter. Um, the Bills pass rush certainly matters because, I mean, like the, by the time the third time Patrick Mahomes dropped back against the Dolphins, I knew they were very unlikely to lose that game. Simply because, I mean, he just stood there and had time. We talked about this on Tuesday. He had so much time. The 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 Bills have to rush him better than that. They just have to, or they will lose, barring putting up, you know, 35, 40 points. Because you, you cannot beat Mahomes through blitzing when you can't get pressure with four. You can get to him blitzing if you're already getting pressure with four. It's kind of a give and take there. So the, the, the biggest thing for me is they're going to have a difference in how the wide receiver snaps are allocated. They've narrowed it down quite a bit. I think you'll see, probably see Tony active, but I think it's going to be more of a niche role. I think Hardman's going to eat up some snaps as a deep ball threat. I think they've comfortably got Watson as like their number two guy in terms of snaps. And maybe MVS will get a chance at like a couple deep route redemption type things. But they, they've, they've narrowed it down. They've got their three dudes and they're running the whole offense through them. And I think that that's the way to live at this point. There, no one else has at any point in the 17-game season made an argument that they should really be in the rotation with those three guys. So that's that's just fine by me. Um, yeah. The the thing that I think, you mentioned some of the injury stuff, but just the, the thing that, that for me has me on a similar path from last week is that by the time we got closer to game day, and, and obviously a lot of the Dolphins injuries were you know a week or two ahead of time anyway, but... It, it became evident to me that the Dolphins did not defensively have the horses to exploit the Chiefs' weaknesses, and I think some of the Chiefs' strengths lined up really well with what had become weaknesses for Miami. I think there's some of that happening again now. A and maybe it's just like me imagining, like, you know, Kair Elam being on Rasheed Rice for a rep and being like, let's go there. Or maybe it's that, that, uh, that Kair Elam ends up on McCall Hartman, and it's like, hey, maybe this is a chance for McCall Hartman to get a little bit of redemption. Yeah. Take 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 the top off, take your deep routes and, and run right past them. Make make these guys that the Bills wanted to hide earlier in the year actually play for you. AJ Klein, who was their Mike linebacker last week, 
played zero defensive snaps in the regular season. He's probably the starting Mike linebacker on on Sunday, barring a miracle. And if it is someone else, he's and sometimes guys can make a real quick recovery and suck it up. These guys are incredible, but it's hard when you're playing nicked up. It's just tough. I mean, so with all of that coming together, even as I have had all of these very reasonable doubts about the Chiefs offense, and even as we've gone through, we've done all of these shows and all of these flaws that we have seen all of these times over and over again. I'm at a point now where I'm still kind of looking around and thinking, I, I think a three-headed monster of offensive weapons with Patrick Mahomes having the ability to take off and run and a defense that I completely believe in, that that combination's good enough for me. I, I don't know that it, that it will be good enough against the Ravens, if that's who's next. I don't know that it would be good enough for the Niners in the Super Bowl. But we're not talking about either of those games yet because there's a real good chance till the Chiefs season ends Sunday night in Buffalo. But as the week has gone on, I've I've felt some similar feelings to to where everything was moving last week out of the Dolphins game, and I I'm not even like I'm not even that uncomfortable about it. I I think the logic is sound. I think the logic is sound there too. It's it's a matchup issue. Football is a game of matchups. That's why you have certain teams give other teams a really hard time. Like it's just you see it all the time. Like the Titans managed to drag the Chiefs into rock fights, but yet lose to infinitely inferior teams. Now, one difference between the Bills and the Dolphins, the Bills aren't going to just get completely run over like the Dolphins did. They're not going to be, oh, it's too cold. We can't get, we can't, you know, get hit. Like none of that stuff's going to be happening in Buffalo. And that's the other thing. Again, like the whole rivalry thing. There's a lot of things I like about this Bills team. Um, and so you're 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 going to get into a bit of a. It's going to be more of a rock fight, I would think. That's the playoffs. The thing is, I do think when I look at, when you're talking about rock fights, all else being equal, both sides have an elite quarterback. Give me the team, like, and again, this is if both teams have an elite quarterback. And you're talking a rock fight, give me the team with the better defense. And throughout the season, we'll see what happens Sunday, because any given Sunday, things can be different. But throughout the season, that's been the Chiefs. Um, And if that version of the Chiefs defense shows up, again and they've shown up really the only week that the Chiefs defense got messed with was uh LaFleur with Green Bay mm-hmm. great game plan did a great job some of that under center play action stuff really does mess with some of Spag's defensive calls and so I mean honestly if I were the Bills that's what I'd be looking at a ton of play action bootleg stuff leaking Kincaid and knocks out into the flat because I swear to God Tight ends are open by nine yards every time a team does that against the Chiefs. Right? I mean, am I crazy? No, and I you said that. Like, I don't want them to do that. I hope they're wrong. I hope they're not listening. Yeah, it's just, it's constant. There's these nine-yard gains over and over with some defensive end reaching in and trying to, like, swat the ball. But there's no one close to him. And how I feel like I've seen that exact play, like, 50 times in the last two years. And it always gains nine yards. Why more teams? I'm sure there's some protection stuff involved in everything. And if you do it too often, um, remember what knocked Purdy out of the playoffs last year was they ran a, an iteration of that right into Hassan Reddick and he got just lit up. But try more of that. Some of that LaFleur stuff seemed to work pretty well. I'm guessing that Spags would have a more team-dependent game plan yeah. for it. But that's where, that's where I'm so excited to see Spags in his bag again this year. Like, he doesn't get enough credit for last year's playoff run because the Eagles scored so much in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But the Eagles scored so much because Hurts played out of his mind. 
Spags, by and large, had a great game plan against the Eagles, and that was after holding Cincy and Jacksonville to 20, back-to-back. It's the only reason that Gimpy Mahomes was able, and he made some, Mahomes made some great plays, I get all that, but the defense was the impetus for them getting to the Super Bowl, and then Patrick Mahomes is the reason they won it. Like, the, the, the both things can be true. And so I'm excited to see playoff spags just as much as I am to see uh, to just see playoff Mahomes. Well, almost as excited. Playoff Mahomes is special. So it, it's going to be really an interesting an interesting thing. I know Sky Moore, um, they've activated him now, right? Designated a return. They, they, so they could activate him for the game at this second. They don't. They, they have it. They wouldn't until, I think, Saturday anyway. But yeah. Right. So that would be interesting to see him back to see what role they'd use him in necessarily. It's just going to be interesting to me to see the continued growth with Rasheed Rice. I, I said on uh, I, I said on 810 with Seren that I feel like, for some reason, I feel like this might be the first game that the opposing defense decides to utilize, to use Rice, other than Mahomes, because Mahomes is always the center point, um, but or centerpiece. But I feel like this might be the first game where they say, you know what? Let's take away Rice first, because as great as Kelsey is, and he is still great, the drops, those were, I'm 34 playing in zero degrees, and holy crap, my hands hurt. Those were, those were. Did you see his hand in the screenshot from uh, New Heights? Yeah, Yeah. that was rough. It looked like he got cleated or something. It it looks like he got stepped on with baseball cleats is what it looks like. So I don't know. I don't know. And so that's, I'm definitely, I, I just. We've seen, and despite a couple of really tough drops, one of which I think kind of cost them a touchdown, honestly, because I think if he hauls that in, he turns the other way and he scores. But, which is a bummer because he's so close to, well, not so close, but he's closing in on Jerry Rice. Like, dude. Anyway, I, I, I feel like they could look and see, okay, yes, Travis Kelsey is still the primary engine in this offense, but the explosive engine at this point is Rasheed Rice. Because if Kelsey gets the ball, you know, odds are he's going to get tackled as he gets the ball. He still runs really well in space. He never does. He just doesn't look like it. Yeah, like, right. Oh, he looks. He's always looks slower than he is because he's nine feet tall. Like he just <laughs> like um um Arif, uh uh who covers uh, uh the Vikings. Arif Hassan, yeah, covers yes. the Vikings. Yeah, yes. He made a he made he made a comment. He says every time I see Travis Kelsey do you know run after the catch, I just think of what a really graceful moose would look like running. And that really is what it is. So it's not like he's not dangerous with the ball in his hands, but he's not Rasheed Rice dangerous with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Rasheed Rice can take a five-yard gain and turn it into a 30-yard gain very quickly. When I see Travis Kelsey, I think of a graceful moose. And when I see Rasheed Rice, I think of yak. Yeah. Today. That is nice. I think of, I think of the elegant yak. Oh, man. So, so I would just be, I mean, with this whole thing kept this from being our, our, our video, our video short that goes out. It's like, oh, we were doing great until, until Briscoe brought up a yak. They can edit around it. <laughs> Shout out to Claude. And so I could see, Claude's so great. And so I could see the Bills looking at the Raiders game from a few weeks back and saying, okay, we can just get two defensive. We defense. are going to. Uh, we are going to smother everything short, dare them to throw intermediate to deep. Let's see if Rasheed can separate deep, but we're going to actually focus on him, see if Kelsey can beat us, which is a crazy thing to do, Yeah, but it might make sense. I mean, you've tried everything else. 
why not see how that works? And I'm just, uh, I'm just very, I'm just really curious because if I were defensive coordinator, I would at least consider it and say, you know what? Travis Kelsey's a great player, but Rasheed Rice is more explosive and the Chiefs have a harder time getting explosive plays than they do gaining yards. If that makes yeah. sense. It makes total sense. I think that is the logical conclusion of something we've talked about a ton, which is making the Chiefs stink and dunk instead of giving the deep shots as a Tyreek Hill uh, stopper at one point, and then to making the Chiefs stink and dunk because they have all these self-inflicted wounds and all these mistakes, and you you know MVS downfield isn't even a threat anymore, so keep it all underneath. The 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 logical but uncomfortable next evolution of that is cover Rasheed Rice, key on Rasheed Rice before you key on Travis Kelsey, because there's a bigger chance, a better chance for more explosive plays by going to Rasheed Rice. Maybe that changes in the red zone, right? But like until the Chiefs get to the red zone, they, they have they have gotten there. They, they did against Miami. And that's where I, I think what'll be interesting that at that point will be that that to me feels like a one or two drive or whole game plan. Yeah. And it goes one way or the other. Because if you do that and then Kelsey catches, you know, seven passes for 98 yards and two touchdowns in the first two drives, then you're like, Okay, well, that didn't work. We that tried something. Work. Plan B. Yeah, yeah. We tried something. Let's just go back to Halloween Kelsey and see if Rasheed Rice beats us. Dang it, that jerk just caught like a 40-yard pass. And that's one thing that's different about Rice's usage this game um, versus the last time they played. It, again, all this unfolding of the offense, having Rice as more of an intermediate threat is going to be huge this game. And if I were them, I would just say, you know what? We're going to play man up on Rice because he's really good against zone. And we we want to we want to show something. So I, I, there's just this, if they do this, they do this, they do this. Because then I can see Andy Reid saying, no, you're going to play a bunch of man. I'm going to mesh you to death. I'm going to run your corners into each other all day. And let's see how good that depleted cornerback room is at communicating as we, as we just sprint over the middle of the field. And then the great thing about mesh, that means I can throw to Justin Watson as he heads towards the sideline where he turns into Randy Moss, which is all that, that that five foot by five foot patch of grass where Justin Watson transforms into Randy Moss. Yeah, it's an incredible thing. And only for one or two plays a game. Like, let's yeah. get crazy here. Um, it's like literally it's like on the 31. Like it's the it, he has to. There's a tremendous amount of luck that goes into getting to that spot. You can only do it. Yeah, you got, yeah it's got to be the exact right spot. You got to be going the right direction on the field. He's got to get there. Pressure's got to be held back. It's just his spot. Just throw him the ball. What do you mean? Just throw him the ball. Literally do it. Throw it like throw it to Andy Reid on the sideline. It doesn't. Justin Watson will Mr. Fantastic out for it if his feet are in that spot. <laughs> Is like the Space Jam version of football. Yes, and, yes, absolutely. And so I, I just... Justin's secret goes, stuff. <laughs> so there, there's a lot that goes into it and just so many ways that this game could go. The only thing that I think would surprise me would be a blowout probably by either team, honestly. Um, they, they just... I think Kansas City's defense, by and large, is too good to get blown out. Barring... Barring Josh Allen having a metahuman game and the Chiefs' offense laying a stinker. Yep. Then it could happen. And then the Bills have the horses for that where they can put up 21 on you real quick. So I, I, I just, I, I think it's really going to be the, the Rice-Kelsey thing. Having Pacheco back means that they can't just sit back in too high unless they're able to control the line of scrimmage the way Cincinnati used to be able to with DJ Reader. 
but the the Bills don't have anyone in the middle quite like that. So what do you got, Seth? What's it gonna be? I, I I'm gonna stick with the the prediction that I gave, um, with with Seren for consistency's sake. If only I could remember what it was. Yeah, that's why I always write mine down. Yeah, I you know this. That's a much better way to live. I think. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Chiefs. I'm gonna go with twenty-seven. Twenty-four. And honestly, I hate kind of disrespecting the Chiefs' defense like that because they yeah. are not giving up twenty-four like much. Mm-mm. And so. And Thomas Lester, who said the Bills have Ed Oliver, Seth. Yes, Thomas Lester, they do have Ed Oliver. And Ed Oliver is not a run-stuffing, eat-the-middle-of-the-field-against-the-power game. So that's why I don't put him in the same um, milieu. That's not what milieu means. As uh, as as DJ Reader. But no, they've got Ed Oliver, who has given them problems as a pass rusher. So I think 27-24 Chiefs. Honestly, I want to say 21, but I feel like the Bills are going to kick a field goal somewhere. Um so yeah, tw- no, 27-20. I can't say the Chiefs defense is going to give up 24. I just can't do it. I also felt like I may be disrespecting the Chiefs off uh, the Chiefs defense with my final score prediction. And I'm going 23 to 20. Kansas City Chiefs advance the AFC Championship game yet again. That would be a stressful one. You know, do you just since we since we got done so so not early, man. We're a minute away from it being an hour. I thought maybe we'd get out in under an hour today. So so early. Go ahead. Do you think that the uh, that the Texans have a chance of beating the Ravens? Uh, sure. Yeah. CJ Stroud looks like a dude. I think that would be fun. And then we get to uh, host another AFC Championship game here. I would enjoy that. That that would be that would be a lot of fun. Especially like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of awkward things, even though I can't watch them usually. Um, it would be really fun to see, like, you remember, like, when the Raiders had the big farewell thing, and then they were in Oakland for one more year after that, which was, like, yeah, just yeah. awkward, man. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. It would be really funny if the Chiefs did get to play one more game at Arrowhead with, like, Chris Jones and Willie Gay Jr., kind of, like, because now the the video's out there, Chris Jones kind of getting emotional, talking mm-hmm. to the team beforehand about might be, for some of us, might be our last game at Arrowhead, um, or this will be. And it, like, it would just be really funny to, like, you know, because I'm sure Jones would be the uh, the ramp up guy again, the the the, the pump up guy. This is definitely to... some of our last games in Arrowhead. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, remember what I said last week? Forget that. Now, for some of us, this is going to be the last week, and you just go out there. And so, I, I'm just I'm just curious about it because the Ravens, man, they looked good in the regular season. I've seen that play before. So I'm just curious. Although CJ Stroud scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I think that's also pretty spooky. I don't know. Yeah. No, Whoever wins that game is going to be in a scary spot the next week. Yeah, it's going to be. It's. I mean, it's the AFC Championship. It should not. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be against the best they have to offer. I personally hope it's the Ravens just so the Chiefs have the ability to say, we went through what was supposed to be maybe the best offense in the NFL. Then we went through Josh Allen. Then we went through the the MVP, Lamar Jackson, because he's going to win the award. And then I hope it's the Niners, because then you can say, okay, they turned difficulty mode up to legendary. What more do you want from Patrick Mahomes? 
you know, if the Chiefs lose this game, it could also be your last chance to watch the KCSN pregame show for the season. I mean, that's that in and of itself is is pretty daunting. So make sure you check out KCSN's uh, coverage, of course, all weekend long and enjoy the pregame show. Plus, you can check out KC Sports tonight on KCTV5, weeknights at 6.30 and weekends 10.35 at on Saturdays and Sundays. That's on KCTV5 right here in Kansas City. That's on CBS, the cable broadcast system. I don't know if that's what CBS stands for, but it sounded pretty good, so I decided to go ahead and go for it. Uh, Seth has already got a bunch of pieces up on the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, uh, and the Charles Aminahu, uh Snap film review uh, is going to be really exciting. I am very interested to see that. Um, Aminahu's already said the KCSN knows ball, but I, that was really towards the lab guys. So, Seth, if you could get that for us, I would appreciate it. I uh, feel like he's willing to, to give out the ball knower uh, stamp of approval, so we should try to get one of those. I should have uh, that one just to like, hey, Charles, Charles, read this thing. Just DM him and ask him for his email, and you can... Uh, he, look, he was he gave away 90 Peacock subscriptions. Maybe he could give away 90 Chief in the North subscriptions. I think this might actually be a good idea. Clearly, clearly the door's open. You can DM him, and I'll, I'll let you guys handle that. Uh, also, uh, there's something... Oh, and uh, the uh, the three non-Chiefs games, the three games of the divisional round, you can all hear on Sports Radio 810 WHB, and the first one will kick off on ESPN Kansas City, uh, which is 15, 10 a.m., 94.5 FM. You can get all three games there and uh, enjoy the action on the radio this weekend as we all get ready for Chiefs and Bills. Seth, it's just you and me here, so why don't you go ahead and get us out of here? Man, I I think I'm going to uh, go back to the former iteration of this podcast, and I don't know if you remember this, but uh, prior to the 2019-2020 Super Bowl, the Chiefs' first Super Bowl championship, the big thing that I kept telling people and I end up writing about it to an extent, and my wonderful wife, who is scintillatingly hot, in case you didn't know, um, she made sure to, that I followed my own advice. Have fun. It's the divisional round of the playoffs. It's almost always the best week of of football because you just you've got real you've got good teams left at this point. You've got some really fun storylines. One of them, Baker Mayfield, low key being better in Tampa Bay than Tom Brady was last year, which says something about their roster and the reason Tom Brady won a seventh ring. But whatever. Just enjoy yourself as a Chiefs fan. This was a weird season, and that's on us. We take full responsibility for that. That's on us. But have some fun with it. They look better than they've looked all season. We are these are these are these are the good times. Try to enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes and watching Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. You don't know how much time you've got left with some of these guys some of these guys that 40 years from now 50 years from now your kids grandkids great grandkids probably not great grandkids in 50 years but I digress they will ask you about these guys and some of them there's just there's just not a lot of time left man so just enjoy that you know take the moment in treat it like a a beautiful sunset on a on a gulf coast beach which is really where all of us want to be. And so, yeah, just have fun. Enjoy it. Make bad dad jokes. Make your kids laugh against their will. But this is now mostly life advice that we veered into. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't also say while we're here that Romans 3 tells us. Go ahead and hit it, Tucker. 